Well, it appears November has blown into Michigan, and you have blown into church, so welcome to all of you who are here, and to all of you who are watching online, or who will watch online. If you're watching live online, be sure you share with others that might be looking at other things today, and this might be more helpful to them. And if you're not watching live, you still might share it with others. We're glad that you're here with us, and we've been praying for you And uh, in this kind of new world that, that we live in. Well, um, yesterday was a delightful day uh, in many ways. It started with an early morning time of prayer with the elders as every Saturday morning uh, begins. And the season of prayer with the elders ended in an unusual way. It ended really in Neil Veit and I singing a duet. Or uh, we were going to sing, Blessed Be the Tie That Binds, but all the other elders being younger men didn't know the song as well. Or maybe they did. So it did seem kind of like Neil and I were singing a duet. How many of you would like Neil to come now and sing a duet with me? Yes, they, very popular idea. Oh, and his wife, <laughs> Sharon. We sang it, and it really was sweet, though, as we finished singing, as the Lord had given us, a, you know, oneness of mind as elders and, and had um, worked among us, and, and we, we prayed for needs that are here in the church, and uh, we're grateful for the love that we had in the little circle in that room among the men that represents the love that we have for you and that you have for us. So it was, it was sweet. And then I went home and, uh, to Bittersweet Farm, did I ever tell you I live on a place called Bittersweet Farm? I don't know if I ever mentioned that. Um, and it was really a neat time of the year because it's that seam in the year. I, I sat out on the porch in mid-May, and I just long for those light green leaves to appear on those branches. I love it in May when those leaves come out. And then, uh, then they turn dark, and then they provide beautiful shade and almost like a song in the summer evening when the wind blows through those leaves and they shelter birds and the birds sing and when the fall comes those beautiful leaves just blush with color and then they begin to turn and then they just provide here in our part of the world a pageant of beauty that for any person has to tug your heart toward God. And then, like on a day like yesterday, there is that dance that we do at the end of the year when I rake or blow or mow or mulch or all of those leaves, and if I could personify them, I would say, thank you so much for the joy that you brought into my life all year long. And then, uh, so yesterday... After the elders' meeting and a few other things, I spent the, the day out, out under the blue October sky in almost like a sacrament of uh, worship, uh, taking care of the leaves and getting the place ready for winter and putting things away and clearing the gutters and clearing out the flower beds and just so that I would have the favor of my, my wife and when she came home to see all of that. And uh, there may have been a brief break in the middle when I went in and watched football. That may have happened. 
Uh, you can't work all the time, you know. Uh, and then after that, back outside to finish up. And then, and then Lois got home, and we went to dinner. And while we're coming back from dinner, the moon rose full into the eastern sky. And uh, we spent some time looking at pictures on the Internet of all of our grandkids dressed up like astronauts and jokers and little red riding hoods and big bad wolves and we agreed they are the cutest children on planet earth i know your kids are cute but these kids they're they're the cutest ever we agreed but there's something else that happened yesterday among all those really happy good things i had to help somebody that was having a real family problem a heartbreaking family problem and I had to help somebody who lost their dad lost their dad they loved and I had to help somebody who lost their aunt who was like a mother to her and I had to help somebody who didn't have anything to eat and was hungry and I thought about some other things sort of troubled me while I was out there under the blue October sky working. I, you know, the, the burdens that anybody has, there are things that need to be done and kids that you hope make really good decisions and people that struggle with dark things that you can't really understand and you wonder where they came from and where they're going. And it is tempting, even on a really beautiful day, to wonder if this thing is going to end well. And that must have been how the people felt in John's friends and the seven little Jesus cluster churches and how John must have felt. Think about what life was like for him under the reign of Domitian. At the time Revelation was written, a young church was suffering persecution under Domitian. Domitian was a moral reprobate. He took other men's wives and he had the men killed. He seduced his own niece and forced her to abort her baby, causing her death. He killed his own brother because he considered his brother a rival. He tried to put to death all the lineage of David. He crucified Simeon, the bishop of Jerusalem. He baptized the apostle John, the writer of this story, in steaming oil. And when he didn't die, he banished him to Patmos. He demanded that Christians renounce their faith, if they were ever brought before a tribunal, he demanded the worship of people, the exclusive worship of people. Dionysus the Areopagite was converted and became the bishop of Athens. He was killed by Domitian. Nicodemus suffered under Domitian's persecution. Others were martyred. It was during this time, beloved Timothy, pastor at Ephesus, opposed a pagan celebration and was beaten with clubs so severely that he died. Domitian demanded not just loyalty, but worship. And he specifically demanded to be called King of Kings and Lord of Lords. This was what it would have been like to live under Domitian. And John must have wondered, and Christians must have wondered, is this thing going to end well? How is this thing going to end well, how would you feel if you lived at that time, or how do you feel today? In light of these desperate circumstances that Jesus calls John up to heaven and gives him a vision of the throne, is this not 
a beautiful passage of Scripture, Revelation chapter 4 and chapter 5. The first part of the vision in, that's recorded in Revelation chapter 4 is a vision of the throne of God. He's in control of the universe. He has receiving the worship of the angels. He is the God, in case there's any confusion, the God who created everything. Now in this chapter, in, in chapter 4, <coughs> excuse me, is the second part of the vision. And the second part of the vision, the one on the throne has a scroll in his hand. And there is the scroll, <coughs> and there is this lamb that looks like a lion that looks like a lamb. And there's a drama that is unfolding. And in this, un this unfolding drama, if you understand the simple drama that unfolds here, if you understand this, then you will know how things can end well, if you will. Here's how it works. We're going to read it, but look at two sections in verses 1 through 7 and verses 8 through 14. The first section is this drama of the scroll and the standing slain lamb. Stay with me. This is as practical as it gets. And the second part of the drama is the universal worship of Jesus Christ in three universe-wide waves. So the first chunk of this story we're going to read in right now, you're going to see the drama of the scroll and the lamb, the slain lamb. And in the second part, three waves of worship. And this matters. Let's, let's just enjoy the reading of Revelation and chapter 5. Then I saw in the right hand of him who was seated on the throne a scroll written within and on the back. And it was sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to break or to look into it. And I, this is John, I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. And one of the elders said to me, weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain with seven horns, with seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he went and he took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. 
And they sang a new song saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom of priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. And then I looked, and I heard around the throne the living creatures and the elders, the voice of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, Sing with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth, wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped. So two obvious questions come to mind in the first section of this. Why is John weeping? Why did John burst into uncontrollable weeping? And what is the significance of this scroll? Now, many scholars believe this scroll is the same scroll as described in Revelation 5, in Daniel chapter 12, and Ezekiel chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. And we see as we get into chapter 6 and on that when this scroll is opened, when the seals are broken, and when this scroll is opened, every time the scroll, a seal is broken and the scroll is open, something happens on the earth. God acts in judgment on the earth. And this judgment is good or bad depending on who you are. If you are on his side, he's acting in justice and vindication on your behalf. But if you're against him, this is not good for you. This will not end well. But the scroll, then, when the seals are broken, events happen on the earth. This we know from reading the book. And the, and the events are judgments and glorious consummations, if you will. It's the consummation of God's program for the earth, to buy the earth back, his redemptive program. It's the kingdom leading to eternal kingdom. Just to give you a hint of it, listen to what it says in Revelation chapter 11 and verse 15 at the sounding of the seventh trumpet. Then the seventh angel blew his trumpet and there were loud voices in heaven saying, the kingdom of this world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ and he shall reign forever and ever. You have to hear Handel's Messiah in that, don't you? The kingdom of our Lord of, of this world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ and he shall reign forever and ever and guess what happens now here come the 24 elders saying the 24 elders who sit on thrones before God fall on their faces faces and worship God saying we give thanks to you Lord God Almighty who is and was you have taken your great power and you have begun to reign the nations raged but your wrath came and the time for the dead to be judged for the rewarding of your servants, the prophets, and the saints. This is, um, what this is the significance of the scroll. That as the scroll is open, things happen on the earth. And so uh, George Ladd, who's a scholar of Revelation, says it this way. The scroll contains the prophecy of the advent or the second appearance of Christ, second coming of Christ. Including both the salvation of God's people and the judgment of rebels, of the wicked. The scroll contains the prophecy of the advent 
including both the salvation of God's people, the judgment of the wicked. It is God's redemptive plan for the resolution, for the conclusion, he uses the word denouma, of human history, the overthrow of evil, and the gathering of redeemed people to enjoy the blessings of God's rule. In short, can I just say, the scroll, as the scroll unfolds, things end well for God's people. History, human history, is really his story, you've heard. The scene points to God's plan to fully subdue his enemies and establish his eternal rule. Are you starting to get a hint about why John would cry, why John would weep when he saw that no one was able to open the scroll so that God's justice could be unfolded? It's the same weeping that we have, you know, when we groan under the effects of the curse, when we stand in our yard, even on the perfect October afternoon, and we grieve over the things that are sad that we know about. Dr. James Greer said this, I believe this scroll has the program of God in judgment and grace, the title deed to the earth from the ascension of Christ to the new heaven and the new earth. God's program. You see it work out in judgment and grace as the seals are broken and as the scroll is open. This is God's intent for the consummation of history through Christ. Christ is invested with the scroll. This investiture gives Jesus a very significant place because he created it and because he was slain. If only we could see what is happening in heaven. That's what Dr. James Greer said. In the ancient world, legal documents were written this way. And when they were written on the front and on the back, they, it was an indication that all of the legal document, they wanted to put it in one document so there couldn't be any confusion. It was, it, it was, an, a, a, it was an, an, a literary evidence of completion. This is the consummation. This is the completion of the story. This is the title deed to the earth that's about to be read and it's about to be executed. Revelation or Daniel 12, 4 and 9 says, this is sealed unto the end. Well, now, Revelation, it's the end. And, and so John is weeping because he's longing for justice on the earth. John is weeping because he's longing for all the wrongs to be made right, like we do. John is weeping because he's conscious of all the sad sad things that are happening in, on the broken earth. And no one is available. No one is worthy to open the scroll. And then in, in the story, the elder says, stop weeping because there's one here who is worthy. And then he begins to describe this one who is worthy, which any child who's been to Sunday school would recognize can only be Jesus, the Lamb of God, the slain risen lamb who's now alive and standing and he goes to the throne boldly and he receives he's invested with a scroll he's his the scroll goes from the hand of god the father into the hand of jesus in other words jesus is about to execute this will of god on the earth and the things that are about to happen are the things that jesus is going to unfold and so i, I want to give you today five things you should know when you fear things are not going to end well. Some of you are in a circumstance that you think, I, I know this is what God's word says, but I know that I've been taught this, but, and I look around 
Isn't this true? If you look around, if you, if you, look, through, if you look at earth cam all the time, you are going to be afraid. You're going to be intimidated. If you look at church cam all the time, you're going to be disappointed. Look at Revelation 2 and 3. It's like, well, one of them is really good, Philadelphia, but the rest of them have their flaws, that, and some of them are just downright bad. If we just look at the church, sometimes people will say, I had a bad experience with church. Well, they're, they're, not in, they're not perfected yet, so we're groaning, so we're weeping. But if you look at heaven, Cam, and you see how things end, five things to know from this text when you're afraid things won't end well. Have you ever heard somebody say something about a dystopian future? Raise your hand if you're familiar with that phrase. What is a dystopian future? Well, a dystopian future is like a bad place. Like utopia is a good place, dystopia is a bad place. And a dystopian future is often services in literature, is a future that's filled with chaos and heartache and oppression and injustice. And there is hanging over America and a lot of the world a fear of a dystopian future. And maybe that's not what you would call it, but all of us have a temptation to be depressed or to be afraid or to be anxious or to wonder if I can really trust God's word. Can I rely on him? Five things now when you fear a dystopian future. Do you remember the hymn uh, or the, the song, America the Beautiful? When I was a little boy, I remember singing these words, thine alabaster cities gleam. How's the rest of that go? Undimmed by human tears. This is the longing that's in the human heart. Oh, for alabaster cities that gleam without being dimmed by human tears. This is utopia. And in and, and this picture, God promises that Jesus, the slain lamb, will unfold a utopia for those who have trusted him. So these five things to know when you fear that things will not end well. Number one, God, it, you know this, God is on the throne. Verse one, back in chapter five, verse one, I saw in the right hand of him who is seated on the throne in all of chapter four. And what is he called? He's called the creator. Know this, there are those who claim, there are claimants to deity, but there is only one who created everything. And this is the God on the throne. Now, when you come to Revelation, you often have pastors do this. Some, they, they tend, sometimes, some of them get into sensationalism, or, or as this, this, the book itself isn't sensational enough, or into speculation about the book. Books are written and sold about trips to heaven, and they're full of sensationalism, sentimentality, or speculation. But when you go through heartache and you really need help, sentimentality, se sensationalism, and speculation will really not help you. Let me tell you from personal experience what will help you. A knowledge of sovereignty, that's what will help you. When you know that God is good and that God is in control, then you can face the fear that things will not end well for you. This is, the, this is something to know. God is on the throne. Number two, know this. Know that only Jesus is worthy to unfold history. You ever, you ever notice that when we sing about Michigan, 
or when we sing about Michigan State, there, see what I did? If we sing about these teams, or when we, we sing hail and glory, we use these terms, you notice that? Hail to the, you, you happen to know that. Uh, we sing, oh, the glory of that, it, it, like yesterday I watched a game and a young man caught a pass like you will see for years on television. One-handed, scored a touchdown <laughs> to his mother and to all who watch, the glory of his youth, the glory of his skill, the glory of his speed, the glory of his strength. He might be a really bad person, or he might be a Christian, we don't know. He might be dumb or smart, we don't know. We know he can catch a pass, and there's a, there's a glory in that, like, whoa, that makes us jump out of our seat and cheer, and we see that glory. And we sing songs like that when it comes to things like that that are small. But there is no glory that comes anywhere near the full-orbed, universal, and complete worthiness of Jesus and of God on the throne. And only Jesus can unfold history. That's, what, that's why verses 2 through 7 say, I saw the mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who's worthy to open the scroll and break its seals. No one in heaven or under the earth or on the earth was able. To, this, is, this is an in-your-face to dimension. There's nobody in heaven... There's nobody that's dead and there's nobody on earth. No, like, so is Joe Biden worthy to open the scroll? Now, you, you answered so slowly. What in the world? Who is your pastor anyway? Is, is Donald Trump worthy to open the scroll? No. Thank you for answering faster. I'm feeling better already. Who is worthy to open a scroll in heaven and on earth and under the earth? Only Jesus is that worthy, is the full orb glory and worth. He is the lion of the tribe of Judah. Look at verse, uh, verse 4. So I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. And one of the elders said to me, weep no more. Behold, the lion. Like, look, look. the Look. That's behold in the Bible. It's like, look, look. <laughs> like, look. The lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has, he was in some kind of conflict, and he's overcome. Nike, he was the overcomer. This is a theme all through Revelation. If you and I ever overcome, conquer, if we're ever victorious, it's because we got the victory from this conqueror. So that he can open the scroll and its seven seals, and between the throne and the four living creatures among the elders that saw a lamb, Standing as though it had been slain. What did John call Jesus? The Behold the, yes, that's right. That was what he called him, the Lamb of God. Because Jesus came to be a sacrifice to have his throat slit and his blood shed. But then he's the lion of the tribe of Judah. Powerful, conquering. So he comes at his first advent and he lays down his life like a lamb and it returns like a lion. Here he's in heaven. He's standing. He's alive. He's conquered. He's overcome. He's Nike, victorious. And he is, and, and, and he has seven horns. This is a, uh, the horn is power. Seven of them, complete power, total omnipotence. Seven eyes. The, the eye is knowledge. Seven eyes are perfection of knowledge. This is omniscience out throughout the whole earth, and he took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. This is what I'm saying. Only Jesus is worthy to unfold history. 
Number one, when you wonder if things are going to end well, remember that God is on the throne, the creator God. Number two, when you wonder if things are going to end well, remember that Jesus alone is worthy to unfold human history. Number three, know this, when you wonder if things are going to end well, know that it matters when you pray, especially when you are, are under a crushing injustice and a suffering, and you wonder, this, how can this possibly end well? Notice verse 8, and we took the scroll, and the four living creatures and 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each having a harp, golden bowls of incense. What do you suppose are the golden bowls of incense? It's in verse 8. What, what's, what are the golden bowls of incense? They're the what? They're the prayers of the saints. You mean those little old ladies that are meeting on when? Sorry, if you're elderly, this is no. They're the little old ladies that for the entire life of the church of Jesus Christ have met um, sometimes on a Wednesday night or sometimes on a Tuesday morning, and they got in a room, just a little tiny handful of them, and they prayed. That mattered? That man that got in his truck and he was worried about that boy his daughter was dating, and his heart was just broken about it, and he thought, I don't know what to do. I've told her what I, I told her what's going to happen. I told her what, what this could mean. And he's just driving along in his truck going, God, please help my girl to land on her feet. Help her to know what to do. Does that matter? Does it matter when a man gets in his truck and he prays? When a woman is standing at her sink and her heart is just crushed and she goes, God, please deliver me from this mysterious anxiety that I have. Is there a God in heaven that answers it? Here's that prayer. Listen, yes, yes, there is. Yes, there is. And he savors, he savors, he saves them like in golden bowls of incense. These are the prayers of the saints. Which are poured out. Yeah, it matters. Bill Musham, dear friend of mine, was in public education. He was a school administrator and a devout believer. And he discovered that one of his custodians was also a really devout believer. And he decided, they decided they would meet before school, early in the morning. They would go into the school over in Romulus and they would go and sit in the chairs of the students and they would pray for the students by name before school sitting in their chairs does that ever does it matter when men do that does it count when men do that is it a factor when men do that Bill told me he didn't know but he did it once a week he would go and he would meet that custodian and they would pray in those students chairs and then they would start their school day he said many years later, a young woman, a woman came up to him and introduced her daughter and said, I wanted you to meet my daughter. And he said, oh, that's so nice. I remember when I, well, you were in my school. She says, after a while, she said, well, you, you, she told him privately, she said, what you don't realize is, you know how you told me that abortion was wrong? Because you told me that, that's why that little girl is in the world. pray. When you wonder if things are going to end well, pray. Maybe one day in heaven, God will show us some of the answers to our prayers. He said to do it. We want to do it. Did you ever read the Frank Peretti novels about spiritual warfare? And it would be like things were going bad. And then he would say, we need some prayer cover. And then the saints would pray. It's not fantasy, really. This is what the Bible says. Number four, number one, 
know that God is on the throne. Number two, only Jesus is worthy to unfold history. Number three, prayer matters. Number four, one day Jesus Christ will make everything right. This will be the unfolding drama of redemption. Jesus cares about injustice. Jesus cares about suffering. He promises that he will judge evil. He will vindicate his children. He, he hasn't yet fully executed his will, but the scroll is in his hands. Somebody say amen right there. The scroll is in Jesus' hands today. It's not unfolded yet, but it's in the hand of, of Jesus. My, I was going through a, a really hard time once, and my daughter, very sensitive daughter Holly out on the West Coast, she, she was hurting for me, and she was grieving for us, and she was driving her car, and a, car, a, a song came on the Christian radio but um, by Stephen Curtis Chapman, and here are the lyrics, you know, not singing it, doesn't, it's not as powerful if we don't sing it, but it goes like this, lay your head down tonight, take a rest from the fight, don't try to figure it out, just listen to what I'm whispering to your heart, because I know this is not anything like you thought the story of your life was going to be, and it feels like the end has started closing in on you, but that's just not true. There's so much of the story that's still yet to unfold. And it's going to be a glorious unfolding. My daughter said when he sang that, she had to pull her car off the side of the road and weep. There's so much of the story that's still yet to unfold. And this is going to be a glorious unfolding. Just you wait and see, and you'll be amazed. You, you just got to believe the story is so far from over. So hold on to every promise that God has made to us and watch this unglorious unfolding. That's what he's saying. I'm going to unroll the scroll. And number five, know this. Jesus will correct the greatest injustice ever, which is what? Well, the greatest injustice ever wasn't an injustice against any man or group of men or, or women. The greatest injustice ever was against God. It was high treason in the cosmos. And God says he will subdue all of his, his enemies and he will receive universal praise. And that's why the second part of this text explodes in three big waves of worship. And I just want to tell you this, that if, if you're hurting and if you're struggling and if you're afraid or if you're anxious or if you wonder if things are going to turn out well, if you fear a dystopian future, I would suggest that you just go ahead and do what the angels and the elders and the living creatures are doing in heaven right now. Just give him some praise. I have a friend whose wife died. He loved that woman and he depended on that woman. And when she died, he was plunged into great sorrow. And he said, whatever people say is not helpful to me until once a pastor said to me, Jim, what's Debbie doing right now? What is Debbie doing right now? And he said, I, I don't know. What are you getting at? He said, Debbie is worshiping Jesus right now. So when you worship Jesus, you're doing what Debbie is doing right now. So whenever you hurt, just worship Jesus. And I just tell you this, you may not be able to untangle it or understand it or figure it out. You may have no power. You may feel like the whole thing is out of control. Your life is burning down around you. Things are difficult and hard. Just worship him. Just trust him. Just get on your face. Just get on your knees. Just say, you're God and I'm not. I worship you and I will never, never let go of you. He's the one who's overcome. 
And when he, when he does unfold the scroll, he will ransom and he will redeem from all over the earth. And when he does that, he'll establish his eternal kingdom because he has overcome, we can overcome. Do you remember doing this before? Um, you remember this? We had a, a little thing. We'll, we'll, we'll use my friend Dave here, uh, one of our elders. That'd be all right, wouldn't it, Dave? Sure it is. He said yes. He doesn't have any idea what he's getting into. We're going to pretend this is what we do. Uh, Dave, let's pretend that it's your birthday, and so we're all going to sing happy birthday to you at church. And let's say we're going to take an offering, and we're going to give you the offering. It's a large offering. Just let you have it. And let's say we wrote a special song about Dave. You know, for he's a jolly good fellow, and, and we all sing about Dave. We all say nice things about Dave, and it would be a fun day. Would you agree that'd be fun? I think that would be fun. Yeah, it'd be good fun. I mean, if they did that for me, I would say, oh, really, you shouldn't. Go ahead, you know, be like that. End of the day, you go home with all your gifts and, you know, and, and all that. What if, what if somebody says, well, let's do it again next week? You know where I'm going, right? Let's do it again next week. David, you're embarrassing me right now. That would just be weird. I mean, Dave is a wonderful man. But Dave, you, you admit that'd be kind of weird. Two weeks in a row. What if somebody said, let's just every Sunday sing songs about Dave, give gifts to Dave, and just say how great of a guy Dave is. Dave would not come to church here anymore. <laughs> I just know him that well. Because he's Dave. But it's interesting, isn't it? That there is one that we just never stop singing about and it never gets old. We never stop giving him gifts and it never gets old. We never stop giving him praise and it never gets old. And it's never going to get old. Because he is, because he's worthy. And if you keep that in mind, it will help you. If you fe fear that things are not going to end well. Let's, let's, just, uh, let's just look at Revelation chapter 5. And let's just see, let's just say it the way they said it. And they sang a new song saying, worthy are you to take the scroll, open its seals, you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation, and you have made them a kingdom of, and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. And then I looked and I heard around the throne the living creatures and the elders, the voice of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that's in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the people of Bethel said, Amen. God bless you. Have a great week. You're dismissed.